Welcome along. I did mention that we have a fantastic prize to give away today on the show. So we're teaming up with PwC again to give you a chance to grab yourself some cash before Ireland's under-20 Six Nation campaign continues against Italy tonight in Treviso. The game kicks off at 7.15 and is live on RT2 television. PwC are official sponsors of Ireland's under-20 team and like the rest of us, they'd love to see Ireland retain the Grand Slam they won last season. Thanks to PwC, we've got €400 in cash to give away. Now, to be able to chance of winning, we want you to answer the following question. True or false? Ireland under-20s beat Italy in last year's Six Nations. Text your answer and name to 51552 and we'll announce the winner before the end of the show. As always, Ortiz competition terms and conditions apply. See 2fm.ie for all the details. Now, Alan Cawley is with me in studio. Welcome along, Alan. Marie, good evening. How are you? Good, good to see you. Um, before we get into the sport, um, I just want to take a second, Alan, to um, pay a little tribute to Tom Tierney. So Tom's a former Ireland rugby international and he was coach of the women's international uh, team as well. He was a scrum half. He was capped eight times for Ireland and started four games at the 1999 World Cup. He passed away overnight. Um, really sad news. So many of the women's team and uh, former teammates and friends have come out and, and pay tribute to Tom Um a lovely guy, real rugby enthusiast. I'm such a young man. He leaves behind a, a wife and a family and our, our thoughts are with them all. And uh, he left a, a great legacy uh, in rugby and just a, a very sad time. So I just wanted to take a minute to to play tribute to Tom Tierney, um, so young, just 46 years of age. Um, it's always hard to move on when you're playing tribute to somebody else, but... Um, it is a busy weekend. We've got a lot to, to get through, starting with the football. Um, I know you're back playing football. <laughs> I am. And just actually, that's a, an A-list lineup we have there tonight, Marie. And I was actually just putting it together. It's a good five-a-side team. So you have the Veni. I put the Veni up front. Myself and Ross Munley maybe in midfield and Shane at the back <laughs> centre half. What do you think? <laughs> well, I definitely wouldn't Shane in the centre half. I don't know if you can run around now as much as you used to. Uh, well, I let Ross do the running exactly, for me. Exactly, because Ross was playing up to recently. Yeah. Uh, Deveni, I'd probably, I'd say be a bit of a chopper as well. Like, I He'd mean, be a sharp shooter, Deveni. I'd yeah. stick him up top, yeah. So uh, it's a good lineup, all right, Marie? And they all love their soccer as well. So uh, I think, yeah. And you'd be obviously involved as well, so we'd have you obviously, floating around. I was a winger, so just leave me on the wing. Okay. I could run up and down. Fly goalkeeper, yeah. we'd have you on the wing. I think we'd have the makings of a good team. Yeah, we actually would. We should enter some of those uh, over 25 competitions. All. <laughs> Marie, come on now, don't <laughs> give my age away. Add another few years to that I'm one. I'm still getting away with 29, apparently, so I'm taking it. That's because you wear polo necks. <laughs> I knew you were looking at I'd me, Polo. It's choose. It's Friday night, League of Ireland night. That's polo neck night. So where are you off to? Um, yeah, the second week of the league, Marie, so as you can probably tell by my excitement, I'm looking forward to the games. It's great to have them back off the back of a lot of optimism and, and excitement and hype last week in terms of the attendances. I think it's going to be very similar again tonight. And I'm heading to Inchicore, St. Pat's are playing Shelburne. And I was just thinking about this earlier on because it, a rivalry has broken out between St. Pat's and Shelburne. Obviously, it's a Dublin derby, but yeah. a rivalry, a new, fresh rivalry in the sense that there's... 
a bit of needle with Tim Clancy and Damien Duff. Oh, yeah. Which has kind of carried over from last season. And did the assistant coaches get involved as well? Yeah. So, so my memory serves me right. All that stuff was going on last season and by all accounts it has carried over into this season as well. So I'll probably be more watching the dugouts than oh, the game nice. tonight. Yeah. Um, and you do need a bit of needle. Yeah, you we, do. We want yeah. needle, we yeah. want rivalry, we want competitiveness. Uh, once it doesn't obviously tip over the edge, but I do think that's good. And going by the results of last week where obviously there was a lot of draws and teams were competitive, I know it's only week one but I'd love to see the league being as competitive as possible mm-hmm. for as long as possible you'll always get the one or two that'll pull away but hopefully you'd love to see maybe three or four being involved in a bit of a title race uh, but I still think it'll be Shamrock Rovers Derry but I'd like to think St. Pat's obviously a positive result last week Bohemian's very positive mm-hmm. result that they could hang on the coattails of Derry and Shamrock Rovers for as long as possible I'd even throw Sligo Rovers into that uh, because they had a really good result last week hopefully they can c- capitalise on that against UCD tonight Um and yeah, so I'm looking forward where'd, to it. Where would you put Shelburne then? Well, Shelburne, out of all the teams last week, probably had the most disappointing result. And that's no disrespect to Drada, but everybody expected Shelburne to beat Drada. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Drada were good value for the point from what I'm hearing, but I just thought Shelburne's pre-season went very well. I saw them in pre-season. They looked very good. You're expecting them to improve massively from last year now that they've a year under their belt. And I was just disappointed with that result. So I still wouldn't have them kind of hanging on the coattails of Derry and Shamrock Rovers but I do think they're in the mix that the European positions are certainly a realistic target for them but they need to improve because that was a poor result last week yeah, it was. Okay, there's lots of games tonight. John Kenny is out and about for us. He's at Dailyman Park for Bowes and Dundalk. Uh, John, we're putting together a five-a-side team here. You're definitely the goalkeeper, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, he's gone. Oh. He's gone, sorry. I mean, but I you could stand there. We could still stick him in goals. Yeah. No, grand. I had yeah. the operation there a couple of weeks ago and I'm still... Are you, are you over it? Feet. Not yet, no. Okay. I've got a big scar on my left knee. So we'll Don't mind him. I we'll saw him last one. week. He was dancing around Cork on tables <laughs> and everything after the match last week. That's when I found out where you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, Dailywood Park's looking uh, different, folks. Uh, oh, go on. They've, they've chopped down a lot of the Connock stand. The mm-hmm. old gantry is still standing over there, although it looks a little lopsided. And then they've got this new mono stand on the left-hand side. Uh, dedicated to uh, Mono who passed away mm-hmm. sadly the volunteer uh, last year but uh, they've done some work as well in the school end away to our left hand side and they're starting work on the uh, Fibsborough side as well where the uh, shopping centre is the pitch looks in very good nick uh, although there's still those Alamon known those humps in front of the goal which they could I think they could really sort out as though somebody said uh, all the dead bad goalkeepers they used to have are under those humps so um, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> That's uh, the reason why they have them. But uh, they're looking forward to this game tonight. Bowes 1-2-1 one, one down at Cork City. They were hanging on, though, a little bit uh, over the last uh, couple of uh, minutes of that particular game. Again, they should have won uh, quite easily. Alan was down there as well. Uh, Dundalk against UCD. Well, UCD got a very good result up with Dundalk, who are more subject again to uh, takeover talk as well this week. That hasn't been completed. Uh, talk about Hull City coming in, but it hasn't been completed as yet. So uh, they'll be anxious to get a result on. Uh, one funny note from last week, Jerry Malone, uh, who you probably know well, one of the... Uh, um, stalwarts of the of the Dundalk press packs was telling me that the PA announcer up in Dundalk last week told the UCD supporters to hang around the ground for the last 10 minutes or 10 minutes over time before you make your way home and all four of them stood there attentively before they <laughs> before they left the ground which was actually quite funny um, but yeah no, Bose uh, started well Adam we got 13 or 14 new signatories and he's dumped about 18 players as well so he's got to get them to buy into what it is thinking as well so it'll be interesting to see how they go tonight 
Okay, um, John, thank you so much. We'll probably uh, check in with you a little bit later on, but for now, uh, we appreciate that. Um, Alan, just on the Dundalk situation, Mm -hmm. there was an announcement or a a statement released today. So their owners insisted via statement that no deal has been agreed with any investors amid speculation that Hull City were on the brink of taking a controlling stake in the club. Um, Yesterday, the Hull City manager told the BBC that the Championship Club were in talks to take over at Oriel Park. There has been a lot of speculation, a lot of um, media reports and of course Twitter has been uh, full of people giving their opinion but Dundalk's corners, Sean O'Connor Alan Clark and Andy Connolly released that statement and they said that they are in talks with three different groups of potential investors and that no deal has been um, agreed. In a way it's good to have the communication and the transparency but it is very distracting when the season's just starting and everybody is waiting to see what's going to happen and who's going to be owning the club in the near future. Yeah and I think that was the reason for the statement Marie because as you said there was a lot of commentary online particularly from fans just about where the club is going, what direction, what's actually happening as you say when the season has just started so I read the statement today I thought it was a very good statement mm-hmm. very honest very transparent uh, plenty of detail and when and, and total clarity in terms of their plans and what they're trying to do and interestingly enough John mentions about the developments in Daly Mount Park and even in terms of you didn't mention the toilets they've done up a lot of the areas around Daly Mount Park and you want to see that Marie because off the back of such positivity around the league last week with the attendance and stuff the facilities still need major mm-hmm. addressing and when you see clubs want to address those things I think it's brilliant and in particular linked to that statement Dundalk have the worst ground in the country and they're fully aware of that and they mentioned that in the statement and they want to improve it and from what I read in the statement was currently the ownership that they have they'll need a lot of investment off the back of not only supporting the team and the first team and the underage teams if they want to improve the ground and from what I can see that's probably along the lines as well of the fact that they mentioned that there was three areas that they want to improve the community stuff uh, that has been going quite well for them but they want to improve on that obviously the first team and Stevie O'Donnell and keep improving they got to Europe last year and try push on and the third thing was the facilities because we all know how bad Oriel Park is mm-hmm. and I, I thought it was good of them and honest of them to address that in the statement but they need the investment behind them and I think that's why they're looking for a bit more support in terms of who's going to come in they weren't saying the club was up for sale but they were saying that obviously they are looking uh, for major investment to come in and if that's a linked partnership with another club or other investors to come in so be it uh, but once it works out that they're trying to improve things and it's done for the right reasons Yeah and I think as well like you know they're looking around the league as well and they're seeing the other teams pushing on and they have major investment and they're seeing the facilities and the academies and the infrastructure and the players that they're getting and they want to stay in that game 100% yeah and obviously we all know the manager that's there Stephen O'Donnell is so ambitious and wants to do well he was the same as a player and when you think of he was there throughout the glory days with Dundalk that they want to maintain that and, and hang on the coattails as we say with the likes of Derry City and Shamrock Rovers they have the investment they're the ones setting the standard they're the ones improving on and off the pitch and Dundalk want to be part of that as well so I have to say I thought the statement was very good today I think people were probably jumping the gun a little bit because of the comments Lamer Senior made yesterday and it almost felt like they were well down the road yeah. with the whole City thing so I think the statement came out and clarified exactly that they're nowhere near agreement with anybody and that they're in major consultation with three parties and whatever course that may take Marie in terms of getting the right one for the right partnership for what they actually want to do in terms of the three pillars that they're trying to obviously um achieve and I think that's the right thing to go about it as well so I thought the statement from Dundalk was very good today 
Yeah, and fair play to them. A lot of positive reaction to that, which isn't always the case uh, to statements. Uh, just very quickly then, um, Al, there are some Im- important games when you're getting going because some teams that we expected to get wins last week didn't get wins. So the table is quite interesting. But um, Derry City, Cork City, Drida, United and Chamark Rovers. And if we're talking about uh, teams that are going to be leading the title race, um, you would think that it's Chamark Rovers and Derry City are, are going to start getting more points on the board. Yeah, 100%. And obviously Derry are home to Cork. I watched Cork last week newly promoted young side inexperienced there was a bit of a kind of wake up call in terms of we've arrived at a big time now in the Premier Division because it took them a good 65-70 minutes to even realise they're in the Premier League they started to play with 20 minutes to go huffed and puffed a little bit lacked quality um, but they're an honest bunch and they'll, they'll improve over the course of the season but I don't expect them to get anything in Derry tonight and Shamrock Rovers themselves who got off to a, what they will consider a, a disappointing drawdown in Sligo they would have expected to beat Sligo Rovers but Sligo Rovers played very well and were good value for the point last week so they'll be looking to bounce back from that Marie away to Drada funny enough Drada were the team that picked up the most points against Shamrock Rovers last week so mm-hmm. should, people sh- or last season people shouldn't look at that and think it's an easy three points it'll be a difficult game Drada despite the resources being cut in the off season they got off to a good start themselves last week against Shelburne so that'll be a tough game for Shamrock Rovers but I do think they'll get up to get their first win under their belt tonight. Cool. We'll be reviewing all of that on Monday. Uh, let's turn our attention now to um, the Carboy Cup, I think we should start with. Fergal Brennan is with us on the line. Uh, Fergal, it's one of these funny ones. When you get into it, you're like, oh, it's just the Carboy Boy, Boy Cup. But when it comes around and it's final day and uh, it's a big game and you're playing against Newcastle, Manchester United are not going to want to lose this. No, not at all. Uh, and the Carabao Cup uh, stops being only the Carabao mm. Cup when your team is in the final. Absolutely. I think Man United fans, Newcastle fans, particularly Newcastle fans, it's a long old trek all the way down to, to London. Obviously, we know the, the record that they've got. 1999 was the last final and 1955 was the last time they've won uh, a, a major trophy. It's a different Newcastle that we're talking about this season um, for obvious reasons, but they've still got a long way to go in terms of where we're expecting them to be in, in the next few years. But Looking at the performance from Man United last night against Barcelona, behind at half-time, Eric Ten Hag made a couple of changes, personnel and tactically, and they were completely different. And Barcelona are leading the way in the league this season. They're an excellent team. Javi's starting to get his um, project under, um, getting wheels under his project, as you'd say, in, in, in Spain. But United and Ten Hag, they just look really, really hungry for this. And they're still in all of the competitions that they can possibly win. They're still four potential trophies that they could go for and I don't want to pour cold water on Newcastle but I just I look at these situations and sometimes taking the sting out of it maybe even taking a little bit of excitement out of it is often the way to win it we saw that with with Real Madrid and Liverpool in midweek and Newcastle will be so buzzing to just go to the final be there and maybe there's a chance of winning it whereas Man United there's lots of experience in that team Ten Hag knows that a trophy in his first season would immediately give him one up on, on some of the previous United bosses. So I wouldn't say hope, no Pope, no hope, um, but I'd say United should be okay for this one. I like that. No Pope, no, no. hope. <laughs> Fergus pulling out all the, the stops tonight. Lines. No, I can't follow that up, Marie, sadly. <laughs> so, Al, like for you heading into this game, and obviously off the back of, of last night's uh, performance as well, would you be confident that they can dispatch this Newcastle team in 90 minutes or we're going to go all the way yeah it wouldn't surprise me if we went all the way obviously it was a tough game for Man United last night whereas Newcastle have had the full week to prepare to have the the side story as Fergal mentioned in terms of no 
main goalkeeper with Nick Pope and the, all the, the sideshow around who's going to play and if it is Carrius and it looks like it will be of course he's going to be under major scrutiny because of the criticism he took obviously when he was involved with Liverpool so I think that's something they'll have to overcome there was a doubt today on Rashford's fitness and he'll be a huge blow and a huge loss if he's mm. not fit and available to start but there's huge momentum with this Man United team at the moment I think it's 16 wins and one draw in the last 17 games as well Marie you look at the performance last night the second half was outstanding and not only are they showing signs of quality and getting back to the level that you would expect with Man United it's also the character and the resilience and the personality that they're playing with Fergal mentioned it there about them being really hungry and you can see that even in the defending last night with Martinez and Varane and to just have that kind of mentality in the squad now whereas before they were always lacking that there was an instance last night where I think it was Frankie de Jong was a breaking away in the midfield and Casemiro literally just dragged him to the floor took the yellow and that's experience and game management as well Marie that was something that was maybe missing when you had the likes of McTominay and Fred in there that wouldn't have that kind of not only the experience but wouldn't have that mentality either so I think obviously Man United are absolutely flying at the moment uh, Ten Hag has done some job when I look at them last night and I love the way he conducts himself as well he's not he's not resting on his laurels either in terms of the fact that the, the form that they're in it's focus all on Sunday's final and they're only one game away from getting a trophy on the board and when he when he looks at that that's all he talks about and for them to get back to the level of what they want to reach Marie to have one game 90 minutes to get that that trophy on the board so early in his career as well as Man United manager and carry on all the good work that he's doing I, I, it's hard to look past him Fergal, but just given how how um, how strong Newcastle are at the back, and if Rashford isn't fully fit, are they going to find it difficult to to break them down? And also, does it come into play when you have, I guess, more serial trophy winners on one side than the other? I think it does because there'll be points in this final where Newcastle will make it difficult for um, for United. I can't remember the exact word that Ten Hag used in his, his press conference there. I think he said difficult or no, annoying. That was what he said about Newcastle, and that <laughs> that will be an element of, of of how they'll look to play uh, on the weekend. And that's that's not being disingenuous to them that they are a very good team, but. I just look at their form. They were fantastic um, in the build-up to the World Cup. They, they seem to be absolutely flying. And they've just dipped a little bit, just two Premier League points in the last three, whereas Man United, as Alan mentioned, have got this fantastic run, obviously dispatching Barcelona in midweek. And there'll be points in the game on Sunday where your Casemiro's, your Varane's will be so important because maybe it'll be a little tactical foul, maybe it'll just be slowing the game down, take the sting out of any Newcastle momentum. And I just... I think that's what will do it. And ultimately, the majority of finals are decided by those types of things. We all love a, a thrilling final with eight, ten goals in it, but it, it rarely happens in those sorts of centres. It's normally your important players, your experienced players, win the key parts of the game. Um, I don't really think Rashford's injury will be enough to keep him out, and he's obviously banging form for United. But I just still think that even if he's three quarters, uh, three quarters of the way fit, He's just such a good player that's in brilliant form that he'll he'll be an impact. And, and Newcastle do struggle to score goals. Those three games that I just mentioned, they've only scored two in three. Um, so they are good at the back. They are quite resilient. But that's not been against a, a striker in as good form as Rashford. And 
they don't have someone at the other end to take those types of chances. They're not great at winning matches, Newcastle, in Wembley either. They've lost <laughs> their last eight matches. They're the longest ever losing run by a team in Wembley history. I'm just looking at that stat as well. <laughs> That's a remarkable stat. Um, so yeah, they probably want the game in St. James's Park, obviously, or <laughs> even in Old Trafford, give themselves a chance. Wembley. But... Um, yeah, like to be fair to Newcastle, they've had a great season, as we all know. They have stumbled of late, but it will be a difficult game. And I go back to the point about obviously Man United having that difficult game last night. That would have taken a lot out of them, not just physically but mentally as well. You see, even the celebrations after the match, it takes a while to come down off that high as well, Marie. And that's where Ten Hag obviously has to seriously get them get them in this morning they would have had a warm down but I think the fact that you mentioned it and the phrase you used was serial winners mm. they're used to nights like that last night and it would have been easy for the likes of Casemiro and Varane to, to get the group together it would, probably wouldn't have even taken the manager to do it but to say look all the folks on Sunday and to have that mentality about them now Man United you look at them again as I say in the game last night and I love that that's what's been missing for so long whereas they're so hungry to get back to winning ways and winning trophies and that's what they want to do and He's just done some job. I can't get over the job that he's done in such a short period of time. But I love the way he goes about his business as well, Marie. And there's no messing. He's very serious. Um, enjoys the goals. He's yeah, a big celebration. Absolutely, last yeah. Enjoys brilliant. the moments. Yeah. You have to enjoy the moments as well and the wins and the victories. But the demands that he puts on players, and I speak about this a lot, about all the great managers, the demands they put on the players and they have that ruthless streak and ruthless edge. And he has that. You can see it clear as day he has that. And you even see earlier in the season when Rashford missed the training or whatever it was late for the training yeah. dropped straight away and that's the way you have to be treat them all the same everybody knows where to stand um, and you get it back in spades Demery when there's that respect there and I think that's what we're seeing with this Man United squad um, so what you're saying is that uh, they're going to win what I'm saying is the good times are back for Man United Marie. <laughs> I'm not going to go all Rio Ferdinand on you I like to keep a calm balanced head on these things I've, I've criticised them for a long time but for the first time even as a Man United supporter I look at them now and I think they're on the right track and that can only be a good thing because for years they've been in the doldrums but I have to say this manager has been so so impressive so you reckon the Chelsea owners are looking over at um, from Graham Potter to Eric Ten, Ten Hag Fergal and thinking maybe if we had somebody like him we wouldn't have the issues that we're, we're having right now? Potentially and it's it's become the, the Friday feature Alan and myself yeah. disagreeing and, and agreeing on, on Graham Potter and I just think yeah that, that, that is a possibility because it, it just seems to be getting more and more difficult for him um, one Premier League win since the start of 2023 that record hasn't changed and, and with every game that goes by and they don't win or they don't pick up some sort of positivity it just seems to get more and more difficult I'll be honest last weekend was the chance that I thought to maybe get a bit of kind of I don't know, life into them when they were playing Southampton at home, rock bottom Southampton, and, and they went and lost, albeit yeah. a bit of bad luck, Southampton, bodies on the line, and kind of new temporary manager bounce getting that win. But this weekend, going to Tottenham, who've got a temporary manager on the bench themselves because Conte's still recovering from surgery, it's difficult to highlight where it's going to change for Chelsea. And again, the, the usual disclaimer of that's not a dig at Potter, it's just the reality of, of managing this type of situation in the Premier League and I think there was a stat that, that popped up in midweek which is in that run of games where they haven't won since beating Palace in the middle of January only Badi has started every game he's changed constantly o only outfield player Kepa's kept his place in goal and that just shows you the amount of players that came in, in the summer that he didn't sign the amount of players that came in, in January that he did sign it just shows that he, he doesn't know his best 11 he doesn't know how to get it all clicking into place. It could change, but it's very difficult to see how it does or when it does. 
Alan, that's the thing that you know, you've said about Manchester United now is that you can nearly pick the lineup before mm. the game. So having that consistency is so important. But Graham Potter just doesn't seem to even be coming close to that. No, and that's if you go through all the successful teams over the years, Marie, and this is another thing I make the point a lot, is when you have continuity in your team selection and you're picking 9 or 10 every week out of that 11, you can allow for the odd change here and there, but if you're picking 9 or 10 every week, you're on the right road to, to success. And we see that with all the top teams. The problem for Potter at the moment is he has too much to choose from. Mm-hmm. It's like going into a sweet shop and wanting to pick everything. And that's the problem like for him at the moment. Um, and it's very, very hard. On top of that, you look at the egos and the, the personalities that's in that dressing room that he's having to deal with as well. Probably a lot bigger egos than what he would have had to deal with at Brighton. Definitely a lot bigger egos. So that's a problem for him as well that he's trying to address. And all the while, while you're not getting results... And these egos and these kind of so-called superstars or personalities in, are in your dressing room. They're looking at you kind half second guessing you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem for him at the moment. And he doesn't seem to have that authority built up yet. Whereas if he's picking up results every week, nobody can question him. Nobody, even if he's dropping fellas. But while you're not getting the results and he's leaving fellas out and he's chopping and changing, there is there'll definitely be people in that dressing room second guessing him. And that's the problem for him at the moment, Marie. I hope he turns it around. I've always said that. But I can't defend him on the, the result last week. No. You, you can allow for, obviously, uh, building blocks and uh, the odd bad result but you have to stop it at some point and losing to Southampton regardless of what issues you have at your club you can't be losing to Southampton at home and I actually thought he, he he might actually go last week even though I didn't want to see that and as Fergal said we've had plenty of debates and discussions around that and I hope to stick with him but I can't defend that result and have a huge game on Sunday if he was to lose that on Sunday I'd worry for him Yeah and look the reality is you need a bit of a track record and he just doesn't have it yet like he doesn't have that that credit in the bank so every single bad result Mm. or disappointment is just adding to the negativity around him where like Pep can go and draw with Nottingham Forest and nobody cares really because he's got so much credit in the bank so it's it's Mm. difficult Uh, Just on Pep um, Fergal he's getting a bit tetchy about being asked um, about Haaland's lack of touches which is fair enough because it is such an interesting point but he must be a little bit worried with Kevin De Bruyne and just the fact that it looks like he's going to be out again this weekend Yes, it's a it's a kind of an unexpected situation that he's having to deal with. Kevin De Bruyne, for various reasons, we know that he's spoken quite publicly about game overload and, and the Winter World Cup and the demands that that puts on players. And he, he's still an incredibly talented footballer. For me, hands down, best Premier League midfielder, probably the best midfielder in the world or certainly one of them. But when you're watching him play this season, he's still able to deliver those balls, the, the kind of De Bruyne pass, um, whether that be into Haaland or into whoever. But he, he does look to be kind of not comfortable and I think that's what's playing a role in these they're not serious injuries but they're minor injuries where he'll miss a game every now and again or Guardiola might try to manage him and look to maybe play him in a game where they don't need him because of the depth of talent that they've got but he's still so massively important to them and and they're not free and easy in the title race as they have been in previous seasons they're still playing catch up to Arsenal they've got a test in the Champions League against Leipzig and he's been the key man for them with all of those players in that team including Haaland and you know there's been a lot of conversations about his his impact in the wider game his touches in the box and is he getting involved enough De Bruyne is still the key man in that team and I think that's possibly um, maybe playing a bit of a role in Pep getting annoyed about the Haaland questions or, or other bits and pieces because he knows that if they get past Leipzig and if they are to motor on in the Champions League and really put it up to Arsenal in the next couple of weeks and months which I expect them to do 
De Bruyne has to be in the middle of that and to do that he has to be fit and they have to find a way to, to get to the bottom of these minor injury issues. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with that just given the connection that he has with Haaland and then the impact that he has when he is playing. Uh, let's move on to Arsenal and Leicester City, Alan. And I think last week we were wondering how long the blip was going to, to last for Arsenal. They did uh, pull it out of the bag against Aston Villa. You would think they're back on track and everything would be pointing towards an Arsenal victory um, against Leicester City. But, you know, if we're looking at an Arsenal now that we're not so sure about this could be one of those weekends where things don't go the way Arteta wants them to. Yeah, I think that's fair, Marie, because um, I mentioned that when they were on that brilliant run, I didn't see that little blip coming. And obviously it did come. But the fact that they got back last week and showed a lot of character in that game against Aston Villa and got the win, you would think they're back on track. But Leicester City are a tricky opponent. Yeah. Um, they Leic- had a, they'd scored a lot of goals before the Man United game. They do. And, for, yeah. for, and even in the Man United game, for the first 25 minutes, half an hour, yeah. De Gea pulled off two unbelievable saves. And they, they probably should have been two up. Um, now, obviously, they're leaky at the back as well, Leicester, which mm. will give Arsenal plenty of hope in terms of they'll exploit them at the back. But Arsenal haven't been great at the back themselves of late. No, and, and obviously conceding two last week and it's it's something similar if you go back to that Ollie Watkins goal you can get at the Arsenal defence because they play very similarly to Man City and I made the point that if you actually that first pass where you turn over the ball in that transition if you can actually play a direct pass up the pitch more often than not you're 1v1 or 2v2 against Arsenal's back four and that was the case in point last week with Ollie Watkins because the full backs are so high and so advanced up the pitch Leicester will certainly look at that Brendan Rodgers is a shrewd manager mm-hmm. and they'll know when you think of Madison as well and the quality that he possesses in his passing with the pace of Harvey, Harvey Barnes maybe not Iheanacho but Vardy was the star Tete on the other side so they can cause problems they can cause Arsenal plenty of problems but I do think Arsenal will get back on track Marie in terms of that victory That I think that just kind of it just stops that rot and I think they were lucky as well with the Man City results like as in it helped that, that Man City didn't yeah, score yeah, and yeah, exactly. because it yeah. just took the, the edge off the whole thing a little bit yeah because that would have really dampened their spirits yeah. thinking you know like we've blown it here almost yeah. like you know whereas as you said it, that, that helped and they still feel as though we're on top and if you were to ask Arteta at the start of the year you'd be in this position in February he would have, <laughs> yeah. he would have absolutely snapped yeah. your hand off because we were at a stage where we were saying oh, you know, there's still loads of football to play mm. and there is loads of football but there's less now and it's it's getting there yeah and we were always saying there's loads of football while they were still on their great run yeah. you wouldn't want to be hearing oh there's loads of football off the back of one point out of nine yeah. you know because you think we'd be on the slide then people were even thinking oh if this collapse continues they might drop out of the top four which was never going to happen they're still very much I said they were favourites a couple of weeks ago I still think they have an unbelievable chance because I watched Man City again in the game the other night first half they were great second half Leipzig should have beat them and you go back to that Haaland thing it's an issue it's becoming an issue Marie mm-hmm. at one stage Bernardo Silva near the end it is becoming an issue isn't it definitely 100% because I watched his body language Bernardo Silva should have played a pass through to he was making umpteen runs throughout the match the ball never came and for the first time he's thrown the hands Mm. and he looks so frustrated and he's obviously effing and blinding to himself or whatever he's He's doing he's petulant looking yeah Yeah. because he's frustrated Mm. as you would if you kept making and it's getting to the stage now where he's stopping he'll he'll stop making the runs because the only one that can find him who plays in midfield is De Bruyne and when he's not there it's an issue because if you go back to that Spurs game where people were highlighting the runs he was making it was Rodri and Rico Lewis they don't have that pass in their locker Gundogan to an extent does he played in that game the other night but he still couldn't find him Bernardo Silva wants to run and dribble and carry the ball he doesn't have that either so De Bruyne is the only one that takes a touch out of his feet bang sees the run and plays mm-hmm. it so it is becoming an issue you said Pep's becoming tetchy with it so that gives Arsenal great hope and it gives Man United great hope oh god they're you in the race bring it back as well. around again um, Fergal Liverpool 
obviously during the week was very disappointing. It's going to be difficult to bounce back from that. But they have to bounce back and they have to keep um, keep moving forward in the Premier League if they want European football, if they want that top four spot. They do indeed. Uh, and Jurgen Klopp said that in his in his press conference building up to this game, that effectively they just have to keep going. He, he did drop a big hint that there's going to be movement and investment in the summer. But he effectively said between now and the end of the season, we just have to dig in battle and try everything to get that Champions League spot because I think he he realistically knows that the, the the Real Madrid tie is over well he said it after the game even though a little bit tongue in cheek and you know we know Liverpool have got a, a European comeback in their locker but I think he knows he's, he's a realist in, in these situations Crystal Palace it's been a relatively happy hunting ground for them in the in the last few seasons you go all the way back to the, the famous 3-3 under Brendan Rodgers when the, the title slipped away but since then Liverpool have got quite a good um, record a, a little stat that I dug up before they've scored five goals in the last five minutes in their last seven games at Palace so if you're a Liverpool fan looking at this and it's nil-nil or one all with five, ten minutes to go Liverpool love a late goal at Palace and I think I make this point about Liverpool all the time they can have a performance like they did against Real Madrid in midweek. But at Premier League level, the forwards that they've got can still blow anyone away. And if it goes well for them, they can still win a game comfortably at a canter. We've seen that in the, the last few Premier League games. The concern for, for Klopp is their drop-off in level at the higher end of the Premier League and in the Champions League. That, that's the key issue. But Crystal Palace are just kind of clinging in there. They've been drawing quite a few games recently. Um I, I, I said it uh, last week with, with Newcastle. Newcastle were arguably in better form than Liverpool, but I fancied them to go there, get the job done, and they did. And I've got that sense again with this because Jurgen Klopp will be stung by losing to Madrid in midweek. He knows the levels are an issue between the two teams, but he also knows Palace are not pulling up any trees at the moment and, and Liverpool can do it um, and, and keep themselves in the top four race. Oh. They've major problems, Liverpool, during the week. You can't be losing. Uh, you can't Even if you're not in good form, you can't be shipping five at home. You can't, no matter how good Real Madrid. Up. They're, they're, well, they're so open. And, yeah. and these are the issues that people have raised for, for numerous years. And everybody's praised Klopp, and I'm a huge fan of Klopp as well. But you have players there who can't defend. And not only can they not defend, they don't want to defend. That's an even bigger issue for me. Because you look at Martinez and Varane last night even, when they win a tackle, or they're celebrating it. He wants to defend. That's his first. That's what his job is there for. First and foremost, he wants to defend. Anything after that in terms of distribution and playing a pass is a bonus. Trent Alexander-Arnold doesn't want to defend, has no interest in defending, doesn't even want to engage with forwards. All he wants to do is be up the pitch, crossing balls into box, which he's brilliant at. And that comes down to the manager picking him every week at right full and they're getting torn asunder every week by players and it'll be the same tomorrow with the likes of Eze or Zaha or Elise if he plays him right full and I think it's coming to the point with Liverpool and I've again kind of had sympathy for them in regards to the amount of games they've played but it comes to the point where you have to put the responsibility on the manager now and I think even Jamie Carragher said that and he was right during the week it's not acceptable at the moment what's going on with Liverpool it's absolutely not to be shipping five at home and fellas still making the basic mistakes that they're making Okay, on that note, uh, we're going to take a break. Fergal, thank you, as always, for joining us. Alan, you might stay with us for another little bit because I know you love talking, Ga, and we'll be doing that after these. RTE 2FM. Welcome back. It is time to turn our attention to Gaelic football. We'll be looking ahead to all of the Division 1 games um, over the weekend. We might mention Dublin as well. We'll see. I am delighted to say that Ross Munley joins us on the line. Uh, first from returning from Old Trafford and celebrating a big win for Manchester United, Ross. 
Yes, still basking in the in the glory of a famous European night last night. Um, that was brilliant. Second half was was top class, and uh, you can see the the class of Ten Hag and the players that he's recruited over the summer. It's it's going in the right direction, but uh, he'll want his first trophy on. Sunday, and I'm delighted to say I'll be there in Wembley. Oh, uh, so looking forward to it. I'm oh, very good. He's your your Ross real a fan. fan. He's a proper fan. Love yeah, it, Ross. He, he actually went in the bad days there about uh, six months ago when they weren't winning as well, didn't you, Ross? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I see you can't criticise the season ticket holder. Yeah. I've been wa- I've been waiting patiently for the last <laughs> ten years for this to kick on. So yeah, look, looking forward to Sunday. And uh, but it, I guess Newcastle being so defensive. I hope we get the job done in 90 minutes because I can't wait for uh, for extra time. I've got to go get a flight. So, All right. Uh, not, it'll, be, it'll be a goal early doors for United. Ross, I was just making the point earlier that for the first time in, as you said, their 10 years throughout the doldrums that it feels as though they're back very much right on track. Just the feeling amongst the fans and being over there, I'm sure that's the exact same and it does feel like the good times are kind of returning. Yeah, I think the, it has been incremental kind of improvement all season. But what is notable, uh, I guess, is the intensity at the stadium. Like last night, they, they, they sent us an email two hours before the game saying that they're they're shutting off the songs before or the the stadium songs before the the match uh, two hours beforehand, so that the fans will start singing. So when we get in an hour and a half before the game, the fans were were chanting and cheering, and it was it was just incredible. So. Uh, second half, particularly with that early goal from from Fred, who actually is a crowd favourite, believe it or not, um, contrary to what what a lot would think, like just incredible. The the, the stadium took off, and there was only ever going to be one winner after uh, after Fred got the equaliser. So, yeah, really positive. But I guess the biggest thing is Ten Hag, his character, but more important for me, the character in the players that uh, that he has signed has just been unbelievable and um, it, it bodes well but uh, listen you're only one result away from criticism again as we know in this in any sport so but ultimately look book stops with the manager and very pleased with him at the moment Well Alan Cawley was picking his five-a-side team for the day he put you around midfield with him he said you'll do all the running and he'll take the glory <laughs> he put Brendan Deveni up front because he reckons he'd get a few goals and he joins us now on the line Brendan that's enough of that old soccer. Carry on and chat here now. Come on. I'll back off, all right? All right, back sorry, off. Brendan. I'm, just trying, I'm trying to get you involved on the top end of the pitch with a bit hey, of quality. Hey, Al, Al, when I used to switch from soccer to Gaelic, I used to go back to the, the guy and they'd call me a soccer dog and they'd say, your gear's out of shape. Then I'd go back to the guy and I went a flip-flop. I'd come back too fancy at the end of the guy, boy. So I was always getting caught in between that. I never knew, I never knew which way to go, you know. Right, well, we've had our first five-a-side row anyway, so we're going to park that and turn our attention to Gaelic football. Um, lots of intriguing games, and I know that's a bit of a cliche, but, um, Brendan, I have to say that Mayo and our Kerry and Armagh is one of those ones that is quite intriguing because we haven't seen the best of Kerry. Armagh feels like that they keep need to, they need to keep moving in the right direction. You've Kieran Donaghy factor as well. He's re- returning home to Tralee, and you can see his stamp all over Armagh. How do you think this one's going to play out? Yeah, it's been a fascinating league, Miriam. We're, we're really at the point where, you know, with, with uh, four teams on two, that if you lose this game, you know, it's backs the wall if you want to get to the Magic Six. 
So yeah, it's, it's a really defining moment, wasn't it? And you could be looking up the league thinking, where, where can we attack? Because it's such a short, close season with, with a short amount of teams. So, so yeah, Armagh, I think a lot of people looking at the Monning game when, when, when Kerry you know, did Monning by 11 points and thinking there's going to be a whoop in the tail. I mean, Kerry looked shell-shocked against the, the, the Mayo bandwagon. I mean, it was a phenomenal game. I mean, who's seen that coming, uh, Marie? But Armagh are a much more settled team, I think, than, than Monaghan. They've been in every game they've played. I mean, a forward line like, like Rian O'Neill, Grugan. I mean, Duffy had four points the last day. Mern was shown well. I, I think this is a much tougher test. And I think for a team like Armagh, if they want to really, you know, get up to that next level, I think this is a massive telling point for them. And I think Kieran McGinn, we get down there saying, if we want to mix it with the best, which we did last summer, and we showed that we're, we're getting near to being the best, we've got to be capable of going down here with a full side, which pretty much they are. And, and beating Kerry and taking a two Kerry and, and, and we've seen teams really every team that starts the league is, is all Ireland Championship uh, all Ireland Champions have struggled you know this last number of years not not winning many games and a slow start every time and that's maybe what we're seeing from Kerry but again even even uh, in Castle Bar last week they only had like seven of, of the start in all Ireland so I think this week you're going to see a different Kerry you know with, with O'Shea and Clifford and these guys back and they will be a different animal and at home but I think Armagh really said it I think this is set up for a cracking game. Ross, do you think that Jack O'Connor needs to start playing his strongest team now and kind of getting into the groove because the championship's going to come around so quickly? Yeah, it is. But uh, I think for him, he, he really had to rest the two Cliffords and give them time off because um, I know it's a shortened season or whatever, but they have been going for so long. They're, he's incorporating them back in. You've got Sean O'Shea as well. So you've, you've got three of the best forwards in, in the country all in one forward line. And I guess when you when you throw in on top of that that Dara Roach and Tony Brosnan have had very good leagues as well. And like Kerry have scored the most goals in the in the division so far as well with five. So uh, I think it'll be I think it'll be a home win uh, simply because they're they're outscoring their average is outscoring what Armaz is at the moment and I, I would fancy them to be even more potent uh, as the next couple of games go. But Brendan is absolutely right. There's there's teams on, good few teams on, on two points. But between third and eight in the table, there's only one point dividing them. So uh, it's still very early doors. I know we're ha- we're coming towards halfway through the league. But uh, a win, a win or a loss, we can really set up where. Oh, I think we've lost Ross there, so we'll have to give him a ring back. Um, we do need to move on uh, from that game anyway, Brendan, and to yeah. Mayo and Tyrone. And looking at this one, is it fair to say that it's a difficult assignment for Tyrone? It is, Marie, because we don't know what Tyrone team's going to turn up. Um, it's such a strange time for Tyrone. Uh, Marie, if you look at the, the joy that Mayo played with last week and you look at the joy that Ross Common have brought to this league, that's the thing I think is missing from Mayo or from Tyrone, and it was—it's been hanging over them for years. And I've been watching them play, and under the heart era, it just got very routine and very workmanlike, and you never seen that kind of joy in football and the play that a lot of other teams seem to have. And I know in, in all-star tactics sometimes pointed down that way there, there, there's more of a I suppose a, a grinding side to the nature of the play but then of course when they changed managers and, and Duhar and Logan come in you know you had this you had this lift off from, from the team and we've seen that, that brilliant All-Ireland one and now that's almost working against this side because everybody's saying well how could, how could you be so good and so brilliant in that season and now 
you're, you're flip-flopping between the good and the bad. And they had their chances against Galway last week. And I think one of the things that worry them, and it's a bit like the Donegal game as well against Monaghan, they conceded six points in a row in the second half. That's a very unusual thing to happen in a game. And you've got to think, Marie, that between the team that they had out, which was good enough for that not to happen, and I'm not taking anything away from Galway and Monaghan that, but really, you've got to have a bit of game management, a bit of cuteness, either on the pitch or from the management on the line, that once you maybe lose three scores, for example, there has to be some break and play here to say, right, hold on. Well, home team, when they get a run on you, that can happen. And that's where, where Galway pulled away from throwing last week and, and really, you know, used the home fact. You see, all the home teams won last week. And I think that's what we're clinging on to Donegal this week that we're at home. But but, but that's the thing, I think, with Tyrone. You're looking now, they have the talent to beat that Galway team, which was still missing you know, six or seven of their best players. And everyone was thinking after Throne's performance the week before that they would go down there and again maybe grind out that thing. But there's a small thing in that where, where between Throne and Galway, Galway have this thing where they like playing Throne. They don't mind playing them. They often save a good performance from them. But, you know, the, the brilliance, obviously, of, of Cheerney stepping up, you know, when, when their main uh, uh, scorers aren't there. And he provided... A lot of ammunition for for Galway last week, and and that's that's the difference. When somebody steps up and does something like that, Conroy as well with three points, and of course then there's often a player. Uh, Cahill Sweeney had three points. Now there's twelve points. You're sixteen, Murray. And when you look for players to step up in any day, and you often need maybe a special performance in there from somebody that you weren't expecting, the likes of Sweeney, and that really was a difference. And for all the talent that Tyrone have. None of the players are playing well individually or as a group. And as I say, just going back to that that joy of football, there's this kind of wee bit of pressure hanging over Tyrone, and it's partly due to absolute love of football in the county and the intrigue. But I think the players are feeling that bit of, bit of heat. If I was in that Tyrone camp now, I would be like just letting them go out and express and go out and play because it feels like it's a wee bit too routine now and it's holding them back. Yeah, you can actually see that all right in the way they play. What about Mayor Ross, though? Are we seeing their identity now under the new management? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it's starting to show a little bit. We we know that Max Day is a fan of Aidan O'Shea at the edge of the square, which uh, obviously he has been delivering. He, look, at he, he's an outstanding player. Um, Mayor, the top player, top scorers in the, in the division overall as well. So there's a lot, a lot that goes with with that, um, I think for I think for Tyrone, um, I guess what was most worrying for them, I guess, at the last day out was the fact that uh, that so many there's times that 14 men back and still um, still Galway got through the heart of their defence. So with with the strong ro- runners that Mayo have from midfield and their half back line, you, you'd worry for Tyrone. But the the one positive thing that I see for Mayo for Tyrone at the moment is the the direct ball into Colin McShane and there can be so many scores generated from that Um, but I would put Mayo down for a home win this weekend Brendan Donegal playing Galway letter Kenny we um, heard Paddy Garr talking about Patrick McBurty after last weekend's uh, game and it doesn't sound good for him for the moment anyway it's quite a significant injury Um, how concerned are you about the Donegal campaign not just in the league but just over the next few months that's coming down the track yeah, I mean, well, listen, this has been coming for a while and it's, it's probably a bit unfair in the, the current management, but Donegal haven't just been producing particularly the defenders that, that we once had. We've still got the forward play, we've still got the attacking ability. ability. I mean, the last day against Monaghan, well in the game. I mean, Oshin Gallon was back, Owen Baum was back, but he's again a more attacking type player. Langham was back. I mean, Gallon had five, Langham had four. I mean, McBurdy's injury 
at a time when even that's the last thing Donegal needed to their new captain is unbelievable. Yeah. Ryan McHugh still out in Thompson. But there were signs in that game, but again, going forward, as soon as the game flipped on us, you could see at the back, uh, and, and I've been having the crack of this all week because you know I'm completely anti blanket defence and that type of defender but that's what we got to do really throw, throw the blanket on the ground as, as the song goes because <laughs> the thing with Donegal is really the only way they can play Galway now after that performance now Galway pushed up hard on the throwing kickouts and, and they'll do that to Patton at the week now Donegal have big men out, out in the midfield you know um, the likes of Big McGonagall and and um, and um, the, 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 they have four big men at midfield and that's going to be something McGonagall languages the name's gone out of my head now you think as a Donegal man they would just roll <laughs> off the tongue but um, but uh, Jason McGee and I'll get the last one Hugh McFadden sorry me there you, you go there. I, I could even think an odd stumble there so I'll not, I'll not blame anybody else but Marie, yes you have four big men out, out round the midfield and listen that that is that is something that Donegal can contend with the ball going long but the big thing they have to do Marie, is sit down the game until the final quarter that's when a team if you're a wee bit suspect and particularly at home, I think Donegal had a poor support last week, which is a bit of a worry up in Clonus. You know, at later, Kenny, if Donegal stay in the game in that last quarter, the crowd then is going to be the difference to push you behind. And your teams, every time a team has been back to the wall, maybe they've come out with a performance. We've seen it in the league this season. And I think for Donegal, definitely it's backs to the wall. Protect your defence and use that forward play when you're breaking up the pitch. You know, added them, names Alexa, Alexa Mogan and these guys breaking out but with pace, you know, Jamie Brennan. All these guys can punch holes, Conor O'Donnell, but it's about protecting our defence first because some of these young boys in, they're still learning, they're still maturing as, as, as top-level level players. So you've got to protect them, protect our defence and break up the pitch. And listen, Donegal still have a chance to claw their way out of this. Ross, just a word then on Monaghan. Ross Common, we saw Monaghan getting off the mark last weekend. A good win for Vinnie Corey's side, but now they have top of the table. Ross Common coming to town, but how important is it for Monaghan now to back up last weekend's performance and, and to try and see off Ross Common? Yeah, it's really important for them. And, uh, you know, I'd be, this is the game that probably captures my attention most this weekend. Monaghan in seventh in the, in the table, Ross Common in, in first. And, um, Monaghan, believe it or not, are second highest scorers in in the division. That's with bringing the likes of Conor McManus. He's back. Jack McCarran uh, was back the last day. And you know what was what I found really impressive with their performance was the amount of marks that they got in the game, uh, which tells you when you have those kind of players back, you've got that cuteness up front, and you've got the clever forwards that are able to find space. So, I would be very enthused if if I was a, a, a Monaghan supporter. Uh, they're playing at home, clone a second second game in a row. But um, as I said, it, it, they're second highest scorers in the division, but they're coming up against the best defence. Um, so Roscommon are, are averaging only uh, 12 points a game, 12 scores, 12 points total uh, being conceding uh, in each game, which is which is really, really, really impressive. And uh, you, I, I do fancy Monaghan for, for the home win. I think it's going against the kind of the momentum of the league I just think knowing Vinnie Corey the way I do he, he does everything to try to try and improve the county and try and improve the players and I think now that he's able to bring these more experienced players back in we're going to start seeing a, a more accurate version of Monaghan and I would fancy them for the home win Okay Ross and Brendan thank you so much for joining us we're going to take a very quick break stay with us though Shane McGrath is standing by <laughs> 2FM. Oh, welcome 
Welcome back. It's time to talk hurling. Shane McGrath is with me on the line. Shane, I don't know how we got here, but we only have a few minutes to talk about the greatest sport in the world. It's not like us to, to get stuck like this, but we don't have a lot of time to run through the big games and we may as well start with probably is the biggest show in town, Galway and Limerick, Pierce Stadium on Sunday. It doesn't get bigger than that in the league. No, big one for them. Limerick going up there. Look, Galway put down... Uh, well, they want to put down a big marker, uh, Marie, because this is actually their last home game before they play a championship. And the next time they'll say they'll be champions against Wexford. Henry Sheffman has all his legs back to Fitzgibbon. Um, Limerick are way ahead this year and compared to where they were this time last year. They have a serious panel, like Colin Coughlin, Adam English, Hulahan, Shane O'Brien, you know, all these legs. They're all pushing on the regulars, so... Doesn't seem to be getting any weaker as time goes on, but uh, and in that regard, and what they did to Clare, I think regardless who they're putting down to pitch, Marie, they seem to be unbeatable at the moment. So I think that Limerick will go up to Salt Hill, all guns blazing, whatever team Kylie puts out, they seem to be performing. I think Limerick will actually do the business there at the weekend. Will Clare do the business in Chadwick's Wexford Park? They don't. They, I don't know. They don't seem to do well in the league against Wexford. They do well in the championship. I think Wexford That's won the last right. two league games. So, um, again, but it's Wexford's last home game as well because um, they're away at Cork and away at Limerick. So they'll want to put on a big show and Darry Egan will want to put on a big show. They're a good show for the, the home fans down in Wexford Park. I'm sure there'll be a great atmosphere down there. In fairness, they're great followers. But I think what's going to be very interesting is with, with, Tony, with Tony Kelly back now, mm-hmm. will, will, will Brian Lohan start him? And, and, and if he does, I think it'll be an indication to say, look, we've a bit of redemption to do from the, from the Limerick game because it's absolutely a six-point hammering by Limerick I'd, I'd call it Marie. So look, I'd be, I'd be interested to see what team Brian Lohan goes with. Like, and if he, if he goes strong with Tony Kelly, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, I think I think Clare will have will feel that they they have a point to prove to themselves and uh, and the wider world um, at the weekend. Like, pretty useless information for you. Tony Kelly is now using a 33 and Charlie instead of 34. So we'll see how that goes. Change there you go. And just yeah, yeah. All uh, good. So then Dublin and Tipperary, this is the one that I'm most interested in, probably because I live in Dublin and I'm quite interested in, in Dublin hurling, just to see how they're progressing um, under Michal Donoghue and Tipperary will pr- probably provide the perfect test. They will, and like I know the fact on Crow Park that all the players will be delighted. I mean, for a lot of the Tip lads, they haven't played senior <coughs> in Crow Park for Tip because it's just, you know, a lot of new lads coming in. But like, Tip are going well. They, they, they've actually nine injuries at the moment, Marie, not to play the poor mouth, but <laughs> Lee Cahill has made, he's made seven changes from Kilkenny game. So look, Oh, the last six times they've met in the league, it's actually three wins each for Dublin and Tip. And the last two wins have been for Dublin. So they've done well in the league against Tip. But I just think it's another good test for Liam Cahill. Testing the depth of the panel. As I said, nine players out, including the likes of Cahill Barrett, Niall O'Mara, John McGrath, poor Paddy Cadell has a long-term injury. And Kieran Connolly is going to be out for the rest of the year. So it, it is really testing the depth of the panel. But again, he has the Fitzgibbon guys back. Yeah, like Skiro Connor showed really well in Fitzgibbon, Brian O'Mara. They're, they're, they're in starting there at the weekend. So I think Tip are going well great chance for Mahal Dunhu to kind of show everyone look we've actually made real progress and uh, this will be a big chance for him against uh, a home crowd in, in Crow Park but I think Tip are going really well Marie and uh, I think there's a great competition for places there and fans can do the business there tomorrow night in Crow Park That's uh, exactly what you want competition for places Shane McGrath thank you so much for joining us now before we finish up we've got to announce the winner of our PWC competition tonight's answer to our question is true Ireland under 20s did beat Italy in last year's Six Nations and the lucky winner of 400 euro is Kit Bolger from County Wexford congratulations to Kit and don't forget you can watch tonight's under 20s game between Ireland and Italy on RTE2 from 7pm we're to 7pm now so we got to go apologies to Blonnet for being a little late up next with the official church. RTE 2FM.